Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 21 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have a chance, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Today, I am joined by my good friend and good, the good brother, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, we are coming off another extremely long WWE pay-per-view that ended very satisfying, as all WWE pay-per-views do. You are a poor liar, my friend. <laughs> Come on. I watched some 90210 uh, right before we went on the air. Let's let's update the viewers on, or the, the listeners, maybe they're viewing it on YouTube, I don't know, uh, on, on my progress here. Yes, where are you? I Brenda had a baby. Not Brenda. Uh, Brandon is dating the girl, or went out with the girl who, who has a baby. It's episode 13 of season one. I gotta admit, I'm not really a fan of this season. It's very all over the place, and there's not much cohesion in the storylines. It's a WWE season right here. It's just... Yeah, you're introduced to some like second and third characters, and then they're never seen again. And yeah, I, I assume, I mean, maybe because they didn't know if they were going to get a second season. I don't know how it worked in 1990, but it's a little all over the place for my taste. Considering they got 10 seasons out of this thing, I'd imagine things start to kind of come together and have more cohesion from episode to episode. But right now, every episode just feels like a standalone thing where whatever happened in the previous episode doesn't really matter in the next episode. Yeah, season one is a bit all over the place. I will definitely give you that because when I was doing my rewatch and went through it again, I was just like kind of struggling to get through some of it. But uh, I am currently, I am in season five, which is the awesome Tiffany Amber Thiessen debut season. And uh, currently where I'm at is uh, we have Donna dating a shitty musician, Ray Pruitt, who's a woman abuser. And he's also cheating on her with Valerie, so good times all around there. Can't wait to get there. We had um, uh, Dylan's father making an appearance and then getting arrested and that whole thing that kind of... And then Dylan was dating Brenda, and now I don't know if they're dating anymore because they barely interact. That's what I'm talking about. There's not much season i feel like brandon has dated about five different women in this first season and he seems to be in love with them all and then they're in one episode and you never hear from them again so is brandon like a secret serial killer or something if that's the big twist i'm all for it because these women just disappear he's definitely a pimp early on i'll give him that for (laughs) for a kid from minnesota who has no money he uh he does well for himself yeah so but yes, that's our that's the 90210 update. I hope everybody appreciates that because that's a fantastic show. We are going to talk about the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view taking place on May 19th. Of course, that's Kane Day for everybody that remembers that glorious storyline. And uh, so we started off on the pre-show, Jeremy. The Usos defeated SmackDown Tag Team Champions Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan in a non-title match thought it was a good kickoff match got uh just over 11 minutes 
Yeah, really good kickoff match. Um, the the problem I had with this was the same thing I stated in the preview, where it was a very WWE booked themselves into a corner with this match. With the titles not on the line, it felt like, all right, the Usos can win this match, and then that sets up a title shot, but they're on Raw. This is for the SmackDown tag team titles. I understand the... Um, the Sorry, I understand the wild card rule. I don't understand it, but I realize that it's in place and it's just complicated. It's too much of a mess for me. Just keep it simple, stupid. But as far as the match goes, it it was a good match. I just didn't like the overall booking of the match in general. Yeah, and I can agree with that. I think um, Daniel Bryan and Rowan are proving to be a better team than I thought they would have been. They've had a couple good matches already. Of course, they're working with the Usos, so that's not that hard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're working well together, and uh, we'll see where it goes with the wacky wild card rule. So that was our pre-show. The the pre-show panel was, outside of Charlie, was absolutely horrible. It was Coachman, Sam Roberts, and Otunga. And Charlie was awesome, but... The fucking segment with... Sonia and Zelina just killed my eardrums. I don't need these two women screaming at each other when literally nothing is going to be solved. Like, they're not going to have a match. I'd be shocked if they did. It's Sonia. Like, Andrade is not going to wrestle Sonia. It's just, it wasn't a good segment, and it's going to lead to absolutely nothing. Yeah, the whole pre-show was pretty much a mess, but that segment was really, really bad. Yeah, trashy pre-show is pretty much the norm outside of the good match we got. Uh, We kicked off the pay-per-view. We actually got an in-memory of Ashley Massaro graphic. I was slightly surprised by that just because of some of the people they tend to not do that with. But uh, that was a nice little deal to open the show. And then we kicked off with the Women's Money in the Bank match. Natalia, Naomi, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Carmella, Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, and Bayley. And uh, I actually got this one right. I was I was actually surprised because I didn't think they'd give Bailey the win, but they did. Good match. Uh, all the women worked really hard. The eclipse off of the ladder and into the ring was was really good. Yeah, Bailey got the win. Not it was a little surprising. I I think I predicted a, a heel win. I think I said Mandy Rose, and then they were gonna kind of do the Alexa gimmick. And granted, they did do spoiler alert the cash in a little bit later on, but it it wasn't through the heel means. It was with the baby face doing it. And they're gonna heat up Bailey, and I mean they've already heated her up, as we'll talk about a little bit later. It was a really good moment for Bailey, and like the crowd popped huge. Um, so overall, I, I didn't have an issue with this. It was all the women worked hard. Everybody got a little bit of a shine. They they did the weird injury spot with Carmella, which fine, maybe that starts a feud between Carmella and Mandy. Who knows? Um, I'm glad it wasn't an actual injury because you always hate to see those. Uh, but overall, good good stuff. Couldn't couldn't really complain about this, and the fact that Bailey won was was good for her. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thought thought it was a really a hell of an effort from all the women. I thought everybody worked really hard. Thought they all got some time to shine at various points in the match, and just uh smartly booked and laid out. A little bit of awkwardness here and there, but I mean, I think when you do ladder matches with eight people, you're gonna get that. You know, it wasn't like it was sloppy and bad at any point. So you know, I see no problem with that and. 
sometimes if a ladder match is a little too choreographed, it takes away from what it's kind of supposed to be because there is like there is like a legit danger factor when you're sitting up a ladder on a canvas that moves because it's springy underneath. So, you know, I was fine with that. So Sami Zayn then met with Triple H. He was looking for Shane because he was worried that they have a big problem in Braun Strowman. Thought that Braun was going to try to hurt him and ruin money in the bank tonight. Triple H was like, calm the fuck down. Braun's banned from the building. And Sammy asked for protection. Triple H basically said, tape up your fist and do it yourself, bitch. Good advice from Papa Paul. That's right. U.S. title match. Rey Mysterio defeated Samoa Joe in a minute and 40 seconds to win the title. Uh, Rey busted up uh, Joe's eye and nose during the match which uh, made for a great visual post-match because Joe was all bloody and pissed off. Um, Ray got his revenge with a quick win, and then he got his ass kicked in front of his Walter-looking son. <laughs> Not much to say about the actual match because it, it didn't last long. This is two times now where we've just been kind of robbed of a, of a one-on-one Joe-Ray match, and for the love of God, can we get this one-on-one match and give them – uh, 15 minutes or so so they can tear the house down i guess it was stopped the, the report says it was cut short because of the blood um you know who knows if that's true either way the finish sucked and this this started off kind of a string of just really bad incompetent refereeing and bad finishes where joe's shoulder was clearly up it was up at one and the ref kept counting and he counted three and that was the end of this match and just not a good visual like the announcers pointed it out as they should i assume this is how joe gets his way into a rematch along with kicking his ass and ray probably says all right i don't want to go down like a punk in front of my kid i don't want to win like that so sure we can do it again and hopefully that's when we get our big long match between these two but yeah, not not much to say in what was there. It wasn't because of the finish. It just wasn't very good. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for that longer Joe Ray match that I think could potentially be great, but we still haven't gotten it yet, so we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the only good thing about the bad finish is that's your natural end for a rematch and everything. But uh, yeah, it was just a really weird night of refereeing and stuff. And it uh, kind of continued in the next match, cage match. Shane McMahon defeated The Miz again, uh, won about 13 and a half minutes. Uh, the one thing they were hyping here is the fact that, you know, cage match, it's pin, submission, or escape, and that there are no rope breaks and no DQs. So, of course, after they spend about five minutes hyping that, Miz gets a near fall, Shane makes the ropes, and the ref stops the count. And commentary is like, whoa, wait, you know, and they're like kind of dumbfounded. And it just, again, optically came off bad and uh, didn't work. And Shane wins again. Hated everything about this match. They, I mean, the rope break was just stupid because they literally just did a spot where Miz has him in the figure four. And Shane gets the ropes, and it's, you know, there's no break. And then so Shane tries climbing through the door to try to get out to win the match while in the figure four. So Miz has to break the hole, prevent him, and all the Like, that was a good spot. And it completely highlighted, hey, you can reach the ropes. We're not going to break this hold. It's, it's no rope breaks. And then minutes later, Miz hits the skull-crushing finale, and Shane gets his foot on the ropes, and they stop the count. It's like... 
did you just forget the rules in two minutes? Like how, how stupid can you be? And then Miz kicks his ass. Shane just gets all like, he gets his ass kicked. He kicks out of everything. Like this works. It's still bad. It, but it sort of works when it's baby face, Shane McMahon overcoming the, the big bad monster heel and showing heart and everything. When it's heel Shane McMahon, you just want to see him get his ass kicked and lose. And he just, keeps overcoming everything the Miz throws at him. And then finally it ends because Miz is just once again a complete idiot. Shane slips out of the shirt and he wins the match. Who, like, it's 2019. Shane McMahon is fucking winning these matches. And I realize he's not, like, cleanly beating this guy. One was off of a superplex where he ended up on top. This one was he literally slipped out of his shirt and hit the floor first. It's still, Miz has looked so bad during this feud. I said it during the preview. He's gotten nothing in this feud. And then he loses this match as well after he hits Shane with all of his best stuff and he still loses. I love the Miz. I think he's his heel work is fantastic. He's been good as a babyface. He's much better in the ring than he was years ago. Like he's good in the ring. He can have good matches. Who could possibly give a fuck about this guy with the way they've treated him in this feud? This face turn has just completely, completely sucked. Uh, I, I hated this. Yeah, not a fan of this feud at all. I don't need Shane McMahon on like every pay-per-view in 2019. And um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely deal with not seeing them ever again, but we're probably going to get it again. It was then announced that Mick Foley is going to appear on Raw tomorrow night. And to fix all of our problems and declining ratings, they're going to introduce a new championship. The Elite Championship. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. It's, it's the Elite Championship. It's defended on all brands across the entire world, so you never know where he's going to show up. It's basically a mix of independent uh, wrestling and the wild card rule. That's my prediction. Either that or this going to bring back the hardcore title and then it's going to feel really lame because there's, you know, they don't go hardcore anymore really with the hardcore stuff. And I mean, not that we need it, but we're not going to get blood or anything on top of it. So when you're working like a tame version of a 1997 match and then it's not going to really do anything. Yeah, I hope. I don't know. I have no clue what the hell it could be. But did you see did you see tonight? There was plenty of blood. Blood is back, baby. Accidental blood. <laughs> Joe got busted open by accident, and then later on, Lars. Yeah, Lars just, looked like he took a fucking gunshot to the head with the way he got busted open. Yeah. So I mean, that's uh So that's what's gonna happen on Raw. Then backstage, we found Sami Zayn was hanging upside down. He had been assaulted, and everybody assumed it was Braun. And that led to our next match: Cruiserweight Champion Tony Nese defeating Arya Davari. You know, all these months we had like Cedric Alexander and like the fucking best bout machine Buddy Murphy putting on bangers. And they couldn't get off the goddamn pre-show except for like one time. Fucking Arya Davari gets like a big time car entrance and he gets a pay-per-view main card and then he works like the slowest match possible. He falls down over himself a couple times. And they have a perfectly bland and average match. I'm convinced this was just Vince saying, ah, see, I told you these 205 Live guys are terrible. 
Yeah, you got Cedric, you got Buddy, like all of their pre-show matches ruled. Um, their matches on 205 Live ruled. And then Tony Nese wins the title. I like Tony Nese. I think he's good. Arya Davari is is not good. and But they put this match on the main card when this is legitimately the worst possible cruiserweight title match in really since the, the show became good again. Like this, you know, since last year, I guess it was last year's WrestleMania, whenever Cedric um, won the title in the tournament, like this is the worst possible title match, even before it happened, that you could have on the main card. And this is the match that makes the main card. And it wasn't, it was fine. It was never going to succeed because it's, it's a 205 live match between two guys who, I mean, Davari really isn't all that established. Nice is the champion, but he hasn't like built that reputation up that, that Cedric had or Buddy Murphy had. And it just, I don't know. 205 live is a good show. They clearly don't know what they're doing with it. And the fact that they think this is a main card match shows that I, I feel like Vince is just like toying with what triple H is trying to do right now. Yeah, I think the best comparison I saw on Twitter was somebody said that this felt like when the uh, artist formerly known as Prince Iakea was getting cruiserweight title runs on WCW pay-per-views with Davari here. And that's hard to disagree with. Yeah. Uh, Triple H met with Braun backstage, and he's like, I'm not going to replace Sammy with you, and Braun denies attacking him. So Triple H just politely asks him to leave, and Braun's like, okay, whatever. Braun sucks. Yeah. Sami Zayn was taken to the local medical facility. And then we moved into a long string of women's title matches. Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch defeated Lacey Evans. This was another match which um, had a really bad referee spot at the end. Uh, Lacey Evans chop blocks Becky, cradles her for like a seven count, and then Becky counters into the disarmor and Lacey taps. Which would have just... been a fine finish, except for the fact that Lacey had her pin for like seven seconds. You can theoretically work around this and say Becky didn't try to kick out because there was no count. So why try kicking out? Just take a little breather there in this little roll up if the referee is not counting it. But this was the third straight just incompetent referee call here. Um, and it... It just made it come come off so bad. Like the referees were just so bad in in this uh, little stretch here. And yeah, the finish would have been fine if it's a two count and then Becky rolls into the disarmor, Lacey taps, good, good finish. But it, it was a seven count. And again, I will try to make it as Becky is taking a rest. Why why try to reverse until the referee's actually counting? This, again, just goes back to the referee looks fucking stupid in this instance. He, the shoulders were clearly down, but he goes around to the other side to count. Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't know what they, I don't know if they were trying to make the referees look bad. And if they were, like, they did a good job. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it pays off to something. I doubt it will, but hopefully it pays off to something. And if they weren't trying to make the referees look bad, then 
boy, did the referees make themselves look bad. And they'll probably get some fines handed out in the next couple of days with how how shitty they were. Uh, Evans looked fine. Um, first big match for her, and I thought thought she did well. Becky is always good. So I, I thought the match was fine, nothing spectacular. And then the, the finish just really kind of took a lot out of it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought Lacey showed some good promise. Like you said, first big pay-per-view match for her. But that, that whole closing stretch and everything was just... I mean, it, it the whole thing almost fell apart. And that's just... It just, again, looked really bad with the refs looking completely incompetent. And we got some again in the next match because Charlotte arrived and immediately wanted her title match with Becky. The look on Charlotte's face, by the way, this was amazing. When she comes out, she has this big-ass smile on her face. It's like, get in the ring, get in the ring. Just great character work by Charlotte here. Yeah, that was really good. They had uh, Charlotte defeated Becky in uh, just over six minutes. I thought the match was okay again. Like, they had some bright spots, but Lacey came out, hit Becky with the women's right. Becky then cradled Charlotte for three, but the refs stopped counting at two because Charlotte didn't kick out. And then she just pins Becky and wins the title. Good work, ref. Yeah, more just terrible refereeing. The match was too short to really get into the kind of quality we've expected from Becky and, and Charlotte over the last year. So I can't hold that against them. If you're going to give these two six minutes, they're not exactly going to tear the house down in six minutes. And then especially with the, the poor referee work again, just four straight, just terrible, terrible finishes with, with the referees or I now the the Miz and Shane was a terrible finish on top of the incompetent refereeing. So four straight matches with incompetent incompetent refereeing and, and terrible finishes. Exactly. So post match, Becky and the Carolina Twins brawled, and they were beating <laughs> her down. And then Bailey came out and made the save. As Charlotte missed a charge and basically knocked herself out. And Bailey became Bailey in the bank and cashed in. Bell rang, hit the top rope elbow drop, and we have another new champion as Bailey is now the SmackDown Women's Champion. A uh, good moment for her. I thought it got over really well. And it was one of those things that we always talk about that when WWE wants to, they can reheat up someone in one night with ease. The thing with WWE is they're great at creating moments. This was a spectacular moment bailey was so over with this crowd they wanted her to win she wins she celebrates in the crowd she becomes like she's a star again she'd been floundering really since getting called up she had a couple of bright spots but it, it wasn't the bailey we all loved in nxt it was a very watered down version of that and she just had no momentum for the majority of her main roster want, run and the crowd stuck behind her the tag team stuff with sasha helped out a little bit by the way this all feels like a big shot at sasha like look, your three best friends are all in the main event title picture here and you're sitting at home, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but but I digress. With Bailey, Are you saying Vince would be that petty? <laughs> no, Vince? Never. <laughs> Vince is not a petty man. Come on now. Uh, with, with Bailey, again, it just... They, they're good at creating the moments. The the crowd is still behind her despite this shitty booking and they, they love this. I love the moment. 
I have no faith that this is going to mean anything for Bailey because look how many times they've created moments. Look what they did with Asuka. Asuka taps out Becky Lynch. She she beats uh, Charlotte and Becky at TLC. Then she taps out Becky at the Royal Rumble. Look what Asuka is doing now. Look where she went just immediately right after tapping out Becky. Like nowhere. They, they're good at creating moments. They're not good at following up on those moments. This is very true. I will not disagree at all. So backstage, Elias laid out Roman Reigns with a guitar shot. He headed to the ring, performed, ran down Hartford, and was going to leave, except the big dog arrived, laid him out with a Superman punch, rolled him in the ring, the bell rang, spear, cover, one, two, three. Roman Reigns wins in 10 seconds because the big dog had to go watch Game of Thrones. I was fine with this. We didn't need a long Roman Reigns Elias match, honestly. And Elias is a really great character. I can't recall the last time he actually won a match. So he's a guy who's going to remain over because he's just great on the microphone and knows how to draw heat. He's never a guy that's going to really kind of advance past that level. It doesn't feel like because he's always going to lose these matches. And maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't, whatever. Roman... Roman is Roman, so I, I'd rather him work this short little match than, you know, that match with Drew at WrestleMania, and it's not like Elias is going to carry anything. So this was good booking, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I had no problem with it. The last thing I wanted was, like, a 10-minute match with them, you know, that probably would have been dead for, like, three-fourths of it. So, yeah, Roman just kicking his ass and walking out to go watch Game of Thrones was fine with me. And we move on. Uh, WWE or Universal Champion Seth Rollins defeating AJ Styles in a hair under 20 minutes. I thought this was excellent and easily the best thing on the show to this point. The biggest thing was not only was the layout really good, but it had good drama. The crowd was into it. And there was also that sense of urgency and intensity that pretty much every match on this show was missing. I mean, it wasn't that we were getting a lot of bad stuff, but between the ref stuff and just like, not so much going through the motions, but just, I was, matches were just lacking that thing that really make me care. And this really seemed to have all of that for me. I thought it was a hell of a match for their first meeting. I will be very interested to see if they can follow up and do as good, if not better. But yeah, I thought this was excellent and the best thing on the show. I hope they get a chance to follow up. Um, it seems fairly obvious that they're going with Brock and Seth uh, at the Saudi Blood Money 3. So that's going to delay any potential Rollins and Styles rematch for at least a little while. And then, you know, Rollins won clean here. So it's not like AJ has a, a real claim to a rematch. He, he's AJ Styles. He can win a couple matches and be right back in the mix of things. But this match ruled uh yeah the 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 fucking counter to the stomp into the styles clash was just so smooth both of these guys are just really really smooth in the ring rollins always does very well in these big match spots aj is fucking aj still and when they let him off the leash like this like this is what he can do they pulled out some new variations on some moves they didn't really screw anything up but yeah the crowd was really into this like they were hot from the very start and even the like the burn it down thing is stupid as shit in, in Seth's theme but 
geez, did the crowd go crazy on the the, the sing along for that. So the crowd was dying to love this match, and they they gave them something to love. So good work by by these two. Clean finish. Always a fan of clean finishes. Uh, no referee fuck ups. That's always good. So just from start to finish, just great work by these two. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. And there was a lot of, you know, we talked about this in the preview. There's there a lot of people down on Styles recently, and I saw a bunch of, bunch of uh, hullabaloo on Twitter that, you know, if Styles doesn't deliver here, I think he's done. And uh, I'm not saying he read anything, but uh, AJ Styles gave everybody a big fuck you tonight. Looked great. AJ, Excellent AJ. match. AJ's going to deliver in these spots. The reason he hasn't delivered maybe it's been considered disappointing is because I, I think the booking has just been disappointing and he hasn't really had that chance. Like the Brian matches were good. I feel like people forget that the Brian matches were actually good. Like there were some screwy finishes and that took away from it, but the overall quality of matches were fantastic. I feel like the last clean finish AJ had in a big match was maybe the Brock match. And like that match fucking ruled. Just let the guy go out there, have a wrestling match, give him a clean finish, no screwy booking, and they're going to deliver. Like the Nakamura matches, yeah, were disappointing because they tried to book a feud instead of just book matches, and they they suck at booking feuds. And it was booked um, around nut shots too, so that's yeah. I mean, that might have been the best part of the feud, not for Styles, but even the Samoa <laughs> Joe matches were good. Like like people forget those matches were good. Once again, booking just kind of hampered the actual results. Um, but the work in those matches were were good. Just let this guy go out there, have a straight wrestling match, give him a clean finish, whether he wins or loses, and it's going to be a satisfying match. Anybody who's down on AJ Styles, they just I don't know if they're quite paying attention the way they should be. Yeah, probably not. So we move on. We get uh, Lars Sullivan came out and killed the Lucha House Party. They were teasing an impromptu six-man match, but Lucha House Party came out. Braun arrived, or Lars arrived, killed them. Busted himself open on one of the luchas, and like you said, looked like he got shot in the top of his dome. Just big bloody spot. Looked like a beast. It was fine, you know. Lucha House Party. They're they're. I like them and everything, but uh, they serve their purpose here. They're trying to make Braun a star, Lars a star. Sorry about that. And uh, you know, they're trying to make him look like a beast and a star, and you know, he's he's killing people. So. Kalisto warned Lars Sullivan, "Don't get in my way." And Lars tried to get in his way, and Kalisto shot on him, busted him up. Taking lessons from Sin Cara. Yeah. <laughs> so we then moved on to the WWE Championship match. Champion Kofi Kingston defeated Kevin Owens in 15 minutes. I thought they had a good match with an odd finish. It just... Like, the finish, if you missed it, Kevin Owens hits the stunner for two. Then he rips off Kofi's shoes, goes up top, Goes for the swanton, ends up landing on the knees, and then Kofi hits Trouble in Paradise, and that's it. Okay. I don't understand why Kevin Owens had to rip his shoes off, but there you go. But I thought it was good. I just... I don't want to say it didn't feel like, like a world title match. It didn't feel like one of the main matches to me. I thought it was good. I thought the work was good. I thought they worked well together. But I just never bought into Owens winning, I think, is part of the problem. I think they have a much better match in them. And I also think that placing these guys after Styles and Rollins was just a poor choice as well. 
I think that's where it really, they really got hurt because nothing was topping Styles and Rollins. Um, they tried to cool things down a little bit with the Lars angle, and then they hoped Kofi and, and Kevin would kind of pick things back up. But I mean, once you once you do that match and it delivers in that way, like the Lars segment wasn't quite long enough. You know, it wasn't an actual match. It was just a guy kind of killing a guy. So okay, the it is what it is. Um, and then everyone knew the money in the bank match was next and you knew that match was going to be good. You, you knew you were also just going to get a winner and there was going to be no threat of any type of, of cash in as well. And so I think that actually added more to the money in the bank match because you don't just have your winner. And then later on in the night, like that can take away from, from title matches is where you're waiting for a cash in. Um, I, I think they booked the the card strong early. I think they booked it correctly early, I should say, with the women's match and then the uh, the women's money in the bank and then the, the two title matches. And you're like, all right, we could get a cash in. And everyone was kind of expecting that. In this instance, the again, you had your universal title match. It was great. You have your WWE title match. It was fine. And then you have your money in the bank ladder match. That's the your big show closer. So your WWE title match was just put in a position to not really succeed. And the crowd responded accordingly. Honestly, uh, they, they still love Kofi. Kofi's still over. Owns is fine. Um, the, the match was fine. I won't say like the work was bad. Yeah. The finish was weird with the shoe coming off. Like maybe he thought the trouble in paradise would have less effect if it didn't have, if he didn't have a shoe on and, in theory, that makes sense, but then he just lost to the move anyway, so it didn't really accomplish anything. Um, yeah, it, I'd like to see them in a in a better position where they're not following one of the best WWE matches in in a long time, because um, because we know Kofi's good, we know Kevin Owens is good. They they can have a better match if they're just put in a better position to succeed. Yeah, and I, I do hope they get the chance. We'll see what happens. Uh, so, yeah, commentary then hyped up. Sweet Saudi Money 3. Suck it, Tony Khan. We're all in for June 7th. <laughs> and uh, so that's the next uh, the next Saudi Blood Money show. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll have that coming up. And then we close with Money in the Bank, the men's match. No Sami Zayn. So it started off with Ricochet, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Ali, Andrade, Randy Orton, and Finn Balor. And they worked their asses off for 19 minutes and 50 seconds. They took some sick bumps. They did a Holy lot of crazy shit. Holy shit, did they take some sick bumps. Yeah, I mean, these guys were just, they were, they came off of this European tour and they're busting their ass for 19 minutes and 50 seconds, killing themselves. And then all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar's music hits as all he's about to win. Brock comes out, shoves over the ladder, climbs, wins. He ends up killing Ali and busting him open with the ladder after the match. Hurts some cameramen. And, uh, you know, that was one way to go. Um, so I guess the whole story is Brock was the one that attacked Sammy. And um, the message I got from this was, uh, hey, guys, thanks for killing yourself on the European tour and taking a bunch of sick bumps here. But uh, Brock needs his uh, rematch in Sweet Saudi Money 3. So, you know, we have to do that. I thought it was a really bad ending to what was a... I thought it was going to be a great match, possibly match of the night, because as it went on, it just kept getting better and better, and these guys were doing everything they could to make this a memorable Money in the Bank match. 
the the bump Finn Balor. I'll get to Brock in a second. The bump Finn Balor took, where he fucking bounced like a basketball off of the ladder uh, after the um, sunset the, bomb. The sun, off the yeah, ladder. the sunset bomb. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name. Thank you. Yeah, the sunset. God, he he really bounced like a basketball off that ladder. I felt so bad for that guy. The the Spanish fly where Michael Cole screams, what is wrong with these guys? Like, yes, what is wrong with these guys? Corbin catching Ricochet and hitting him with the deep six. Like, they took some sick uh, bumps to the table. Drew tossing guy through the ladder. And I think it was Ricochet. And then the, the ladder snapping in half. Like, they really killed themselves out there. And yeah, then there's Brock Lesnar just comes down, wins, cool. I'm one of the last Brock Lesnar defenders on earth. I think I think there is something special to his matches. I I like the crowd is invested in Lesnar, maybe for the right reasons, maybe for the wrong reasons. He his matches give you a big time feel. Like when you see a Brock Lesnar match, you're like, all right, this is meaningful because he's not on television every week, because he's not in this 50 50 booking situation, because, you know, he's just not wrestling that often. So his matches feel more important. Even though it's the same story with him, Heyman cuts the same promo, whatever. And you can't say Lesnar hasn't delivered in some of these one on one matches. Like the Goldberg match was much better. The WrestleMania match was much better than anybody thought it was going to be. The Lesnar or the the Styles, the Bryan, the the Rollins matches. Even though uh the the Rollins match at WrestleMania, um, I mean, yeah, Balor. Styles, Brian, yeah, Rollins. Okay, I think I got everybody. Like, these one-on-one matches have been good, and part of that is the aura of Brock Lesnar in these matches. And he does give to these smaller guys. He's willing to work with these guys. Well, that's the thing is, like, he likes working with them because not only can he toss them around, but he also knows that they're great workers and that they will amplify everything he does. Yeah. So he enjoys working with them, which when we get matches like that, I'm fine with Brock. But what I hate is, like, you had all these guys out there killing themselves, some of them that really should be future stars. And then Brock comes in and works 10 seconds and wins, and that just kind of sums up, like, Vince's creative vision as a whole right now. And, hey, you know what? Brock Lesnar, smartest man in wrestling, I'll give it to him. And I do want to say one other thing, because I do dump on him a lot. I shit on Baron Corbin all the time. I thought Baron Corbin actually did a very good job in this match. He had some really good spots. He was in the right place at the right time. I enjoyed generally what he did. Never was I sitting there like rolling my eyes like, ah, Corbin spot, you know. No, I thought he did really good here. So I will give the man his due. I mean, he um, I generally can do without him much of the time, but he, he thrived here. He did well. And that's what I was getting to about Brock is – I, I'm I'm someone who will defend Brock and kind of his his aura. I cannot defend just the way they position him in these matches. Like if it's Brock and he's coming in for a couple of shows and it's like, oh, it's Brock Lesnar, it's a big deal. Great. Holding the title hostage, I didn't even have like a huge problem with that because again, those title matches felt bigger because the champion just wasn't on the show in these 50-50 matches every week or looking like a geek or whatever. Fine. This, like where this company is at right now, you need something to catch fire. And Brock Lesnar is, however old he is, he's been around forever he's not going to show up every week. Like this is WWE's problem is 
they keep putting these part-time guys over the guys who are there every week. And then they wonder why nobody cares about the, the full-time guys. And so, yeah, when the part-time guys come in, they boost the ratings a little bit. And the problem is they're not there every week. And then when they do come in, they kill the full-time guys. How about the full-time guys actually get one over on the part-time guys? And then, hey, the full-time guys who are there now, they kind of look like stars. But that's kind of too complicated, I guess. Brock, like this was their a really good chance for them to make somebody. Like we talked about it in the preview, Drew McIntyre, he's been on the main roster for over a year now. Everyone talks about how this guy has the look, he has the attitude, you know, he busted his ass on the indies, he he meant something in NXT. He he's the next big star. He's the next big star. And you hear the reports of, oh, they're trying to protect him. They want him to be that star. Pull the trigger on this guy. Like this was your chance. Have him win this briefcase. Pull the trigger on this guy. Ricochet looks like a star, carries himself like a star, fucking performs like a star. Ali, like his story is amazing, performs like a star. Balor, we've we've been down this road with Balor. He was the universal champion and then he got injured and then he hasn't meant anything since. But they pull out the demon and is like, look at this guy, he's a fucking star, but they don't do it enough. And when he's not the demon, he's just another fucking geek. Andrade, another guy, looks, carries himself, wrestles like a star. And they just won't do. And yeah, Baron Corbin was good in this match, but he's not. Don't build around. The other thing with Andrade too is, if people forget, is like I hate when people come to the company and automatically whatever they did before they came to WWE doesn't matter. Andrade is a dude that fucking drew money. Okay, he was not only a star, but he fucking drew money. And they just they won't do anything with him. And like the the pairing with Vega has just been so. Not used well on the main roster. It's so disappointing. Oh, it was so good in NXT. So remember when Andrade was dead in NXT, and then they gave they paired him with Vega, and like he became champion and he became the top guy on that brand. And a lot of that was just how he changed with Selena Vega. And then he comes to the main roster, and there's no hint of that at all. Exactly. It's it's very disappointing. So. uh that was Money in the Bank 2019. It was a really weird fucking show. It was, like, I don't want to say it was bad. It was definitely, yeah, weird is a good way to describe it. Like, Rollins and AJ is probably going to be on the the WWE shortlist for match of the year. I mean, it was, I see you didn't give it five stars. That That's fine. I'm not a match rating guy. Um, like, I had more investment personally in, like, Kofi against Brian. And a lot of this stuff like isn't going to touch what New Japan does because they're in ring work and maybe even some of the stuff from All Elite. But like those guys just go out there, just have banger matches and aren't hampered all the time by booking. But when in terms of WWE match of the year, like AJ and Rollins is going to be on that short list. Um, the, the men's money in the bank match was going really well. If you actually create a star out of that, then you've like, that takes the show to another level. The the Bailey moment is a moment that is going to be remembered. Like the show would have been good, and then it's just here's Brock Lesnar, you know, here we go again. Yeah, it was a show that I thought was solid, but should have been much better. And um, you know, I mean, I see a lot of people right away are just there's some people that think it's like it was way better than it was, and then you know, than I thought it was. And there are a lot of people that think it's like the worst pay-per-view they've seen in years, which Again, let me tell you, 
you don't know bad shows until you start rewatching some of these nitros. Okay? Because Steve Cook and I will have a show up later in the week where we, we reviewed the uh, the famous April 10th, 2000 Bischoff-Russo reboot of Monday Nitro, which is one of the worst wrestling shows ever produced. So trust me, if you think regular Monday Night Raw is bad, you haven't lived through a lot of stuff. So before we move on, well, Monday Night Raw is still bad. Well, I didn't say it was good, but <laughs> everybody every week all I hear is, this is one of the worst shows I've ever seen. It's like, have you been watching for like a year? It's like, trust me, it gets much worse, guys. Does everybody forget that whole era when Seth Rollins was champion and the authority was in charge and Kane was ruining everything every week? Those were some bad shows, too. So, But before we move on, you're listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and, of course, the 411mania.com website. Make sure to subscribe and share us around on social media. And if you have time, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Jeremy, we have another pay-per-view coming up this weekend. And it is going to be the debut show for... All Elite Wrestling, the proper debut show for them. Technically, you could call All In their debut show in a way, but this is the first show under the AEW banner, Double or Nothing, the sequel to All In. And uh, we got a a lot to talk about, a lot of good matches, and a match that's not going to happen now. And uh, so we'll get into all of that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, One problem... I know we talked about when we talked about TV Dale might be point of entry for people. Uh, $50 pay-per-view is a big ask. So we'll see how they do. But we start off on the pre-show. Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. I, they're pushing Sammy Guevara pretty heavily on being the elite. So I would imagine, like, I think both these guys were, at least Kip Sabian was definitely scheduled for the for the Battle Royal until they changed things up. I would imagine Sammy Guevara ends up winning here because he seems to have a little bit more cachet in the company. Yeah, um, Sammy's really good uh, if you haven't seen him. Uh, Kip Sabian worked uh, last year's ROH tour in the U.K., did really well there. He's a fun high flyer. Um, this kind of kind of like a perfect kickoff show show style match. Should be fun, high flying, fast paced. You know, give him ten minutes, get in there, do your shit, get out. So we'll see what happens. And then we have the Casino Battle Royal, which is the latest take on your Gauntlet for the Gold Royal Rumble Aztec Warfare style match. But instead of uh, one entry at a time, there's 21 guys total. You're going to get a wave of five, a couple minutes, a wave of five, a couple minutes, wave of five, a couple minutes, a wave of five, and then finally, one man will get the final entry. And as of now, we have Billy Gunn, Jimmy Havoc, Michael Nakazawa, Jungle Boy, Sonny Kiss, Brandon Color, Ace Romero, Glacier of WCW fame, Brian Pillman Jr., Sonny Days, MJF, Dustin Thomas, uh, all competing as of now. Probably more names to be added this week or the night of the show. And um, to me, this feels like a a good chance for an MJF or a Joey Janela to pick up a win because the winner's going to get a title shot. And to me, they feel like the biggest stars in the match. Those were my two kind of standouts as well. I think the thing with it is there will probably be some type of surprise entrant. 
maybe even at number 21 because you're going to kind of know who's in the ring. And if you haven't announced everything, then number 21 is, is your surprise. Like if Joey Janela doesn't come out in the first 20, you know he's 21. I feel like that's going to be just some type of surprise entry. Like they're not going to – I if anybody thinks that's going to be like a Dean Ambrose spot, they're, they're not going to waste that Dean Ambrose spot on the pre-show there. Although that would get people talking and, and maybe people would uh, tune into the pay-per-view because of that. But I feel like there's going to be some surprise entrant there that maybe that guy ends up winning the match. Uh, Battle Royals, especially when this, this is literally the company's first show, kind of tough to predict. Janela and MJF are, are certainly the standouts at the when just reading names off the list. Um, but Glacier should win. <laughs> Still pulling the Glacier bandwagon. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, listen, I've loved Glacier ever since, you know, Blood Runs Cold. I thought this guy was future star and WCW screwed it up as usual. Should have been the world champion. Sorry, damn NWO ruining everything, I'm telling you. So, uh, so main card we go. Uh, first up, women's action. We have uh, Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, and Doctor Britt Baker in a triple threat match. Uh, the, basically, Kenny Omega is the one running the women's division, and his goal is he wants to try to make their women's division like must see revolutionary, like the WCW cruiserweights were looked at. And I think that's a great goal to have. And there's uh, other women that are going to be part of the show. We'll talk about later. But, uh, yeah, triple threat match. Uh, I don't know a lot about Nyla Rose, but Callie Ray is really good. Britt Baker's good. And um, Britt Baker is signed. She's been kind of the face of the women so far. <coughs> Excuse me, and I sneezed. And uh, I would think that she probably picks up the win here. It definitely seems to be like this is Britt Baker's spot to win. Like she was part of the upfronts. She's part of this bikini photo shoot thing that they're that they're doing. She she's really one of the the faces of the women's division. But maybe the the fact that it is so expected means they're gonna go a a different route with it because AEW as. Uh, PR reporter Dave Meltzer says is all about the long-term goal and maybe Britt Baker winning right off the bat isn't good for the long term. Uh, I, I would still like Britt Baker would be my pick. That seems to be the safe pick based on everything we've sort of seen building up. It wouldn't shock me if Kylie Ray or Nyla Rose ends up winning though, just because let's see how it plays out. Yep. So then we move on to six man tag team action SCU versus Seema, Lindemann, and T-Hawk. Uh, Seema, for those of you who don't know, is a Dragon Gate legend, left the who? company. Wait, the, this new this new kid, Seema, that they just signed? He's a veteran? <laughs> yeah. What? Yes, apparently. I, I always loved when you get the people that go, who? Cause, That's you know, apparently Jim Ross. You can't... Jim Ross literally did that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do not look forward to him um, calling this match. But, uh, yeah, Seema, Dragon Gate legend, left the company at one point, started OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, uh, and he created a whole new generation of Chinese flippy boys who are awesome. Uh, AW, All Elite Wrestling is working with them, and they've agreed to a deal. So they're going to come in and be part of the shows, and uh, I like that because that gives them access to talents that other companies don't have uh, access to. Seema is older, but he's still great. Uh, Lindem and T-Hawk are really great working with him. SCU, obviously, are a great unit. Kind of ageless veterans at this point that still deliver. 
and uh, probably a tremendously fun match. And I think uh, Seema and the Flippy Boys win. I would expect the, this to be like I don't know anything about Lindemann and and T Hawk, so I can't comment on them. Seema still great at his age. SEU still really good. I would expect this to be a big showcase for the OWE guys. So everyone can see, like, we know Christopher Daniels. We know Kazarian. We know Scorpio Sky. Um, we know what they bring to the table. Though I actually think they'll probably end up winning this match just because they are kind of full-time guys and you want to establish them a little bit early on since they're going to be around every week and, and whatnot. And, and you need some... Like the roster right now, it's tough to know how the heel face dynamics play out. But to have a couple of veteran heels like SCU, like I think that that plays to their favor. But I still expect this to be a huge just showcase for the OWE guys. So the American audience and fans who don't know them, like me, will get to see. Oh, this is what these guys are about. This is what we can expect when they bring over these OWE guys. That that's pretty cool. So. Uh, yeah, I expect uh, the OWE guys, but specifically Lindemann and T-Hawk, to, to really shine in this match. Yeah. So we move on. Another six-person match, this time with the ladies. Time for me to butcher some Japanese names, probably. Aja Kong, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, and uh, Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Riho Abe, and Ryu Mizunumi. I'm horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they, you guys are going to kill me over it. I am bad at name pronunciation, even when it's in English half the time. So, um, And again, this is uh, part of Kenny Omega's goal to showcase the women, uh, you know, bring in Japanese women. Aja Kong's a legend. Uh, Rio Abe is someone who is signed to work a limited amount of shows, who is considering signing with the company, but she wants to see how the company works and if she wants to move to America. So, um, should be really entertaining. Um, probably a completely different style than the women's three-way. And it will be interesting to see just not not only how much time they get, but what, what they end up doing. Uh, could be a really important match in terms of who they're going to bring in in the future and how the division is looked at. But uh, they have high hopes for the women, Jeremy. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, the, I mean, they're, they're putting stock into this division, and they should because – We've seen women headline WrestleMania. You, If you put some backing into them, they can steal the show. They can tell a story and have matches that are just as good as the men. So I, I can't say I know a whole lot about any of these women outside of Aja Kong. There's reports, I don't know how accurate they are, that visa issues might kind of hold up this match. We'll We'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, the, the, how much time they get will certainly be interesting because we know this show isn't going to run five hours. I don't know what their pay-per-view block is. I would assume it's about four hours. And they've got a fair amount of matches on this card. And a lot of these matches, or at least the, the kind of top matches, are going to need time. You count in everything else that goes into a show, plus surprises. Like We saw them go right up against the buzzer with, with All In. I doubt they want to kind of repeat that and this this card has even more on it and it doesn't seem and this match yeah you want to give you want to showcase your women but how much stock are you putting into these women uh i don't know if they're going to get a ton of time and i guess we'll just have to see 
if it happens. It may not. Yeah, even... and again, that's the thing. If it happens, because like, you're right, there's a lot of a uh, scuttlebutt going on around about more visa issues, and which is never a good thing. So we stay in tag team actions. Next up are the best friends versus Jack Evans and and Angelico. Uh, Angelico is free from his Lucha Underground deal apparently. And him and Jack signed, which is good news because that is another strong tag team to add, along with best best friends, uh, Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. So you're building a really good division there. Uh, and this is a great addition to the card, I think, because best friends are a great team. Jack Evans and Angelico are a completely different team than them. Um, they do a lot of lot of fun high flying stuff, and they just work really really well together as well. So this one definitely has a chance to be a banger. It's amazing Jack Evans is still alive after all the crazy shit he did on the independent scene in the um, early 2000s and whatnot. I He's not even recognizable anymore. I'm used to seeing like fresh baby face Jack Evans and now he's kind of got like a beard and he's, you know, he's aged as we all do. Um, I, I, I've been a fan of Jack Evans for a long time because of his please don't die kind of style. And then Helico really won me over in, in Lucha Underground with kind of really a similar style. Yeah, they're a really good team. Best friends. Uh, I'm okay on them. They're not spectacular or anything to me. Maybe I haven't seen quite enough, but I've seen their runs in ROH and New Japan and stuff. So it's not like I'm completely blind to them. They just, they don't connect with me on, on the same level that a lot of guys do, but I, I won't say they're bad. I think this has potential. I don't, this is another match that might not get too much time, but it has potential to to be a, a good match that the crowd's probably into because Evans and Angelico are going to do some cool stuff, and they like the best friends, especially they're working the Scott Hall invasion gimmick as well. How dare you doubt the best friends? Uh, I'm not saying I dislike <laughs> the best friends; like they're good. I'm just saying like I, I don't have any like they're they're fine. Beretta, Chucky e. T, cool. I'm not like super excited to see them or anything. You know, but I like Jack Evans and 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 Helico. I can't like everybody, okay? I know not everybody can be Shane Taylor. I get it. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so, so next up, we were going to talk about Adam Page and Pac, which was one of the more anticipated matches on the show, and then it was broke this weekend that that match is not happening. Um, depending on who you believe, there are creative differences with Pac and them because he's Dragon Gate champion and doesn't want to lose right now because they're trying to build up a big title win for, I believe, Ben K. And he doesn't feel losing would help that when he does that job. And then there are other reports saying it's a visa issue. So either way, it sucks. It's either being covered up or it's not. I really don't care. I'm just upset that we lost the match on the show, which I felt had show-stealing potential. The the whole reports of creative differences, visa issues, yeah, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. In this instance, it's who really knows because Meltzer is, like, we know he's in with AEW. He legitimately said on his show that, I tried to come up with other creative ideas for them. He's legitimately pitching creative finishes for this company, and he's admitted that. So you can't really 
take his word on what he reports with AEW, which is a shame because Dave is a really good reporter and he knows a lot and he's got a lot of sources, but he's also acting in this instance as an all elite uh, kind of PR person. And uh, it, like, it just is what it is at this point. I initially thought like before this report came out, I really thought that, you know, hangman showing up in England, they, they do this 10 minute match. It ends in a DQ and Pac says, Hey, I'm not coming to Vegas. I was like, Oh, they're, they're trying to add some heat to this match because they haven't really done a whole lot with it. You know, that's, that's fine. That's whatever. And then right after that, it comes out. Yeah. This match is actually off. And it's like, all right, what are, what are we going to do here with Pac? He's, I don't want to say this is why you can see why he might have had an issue with WWE. He's very protective of his character, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, he, since being back on the indie scene, he hasn't done a single job. Like, he did draws with uh, Osprey. Yeah. Like, and uh, Walter, right? Didn't he yep. have a match with Walter? Yeah. Like, he, he did draws with these guys or DQ finishes with these guys. And he's very protective of that character, which is, it's okay to do that. Um, but it's also going to ruffle feathers when you work for as many companies as he does. And so many people want to, to kind of book you. Um, so AEW was put in an awkward position where, all right, you can have Pac win. Um, but then you're beating a guy in hangman who they clearly have high hopes for. And Pac might not be around that long because he's just, he's not going to want to do job. Like if he doesn't want to do any fucking jobs, if he's not going to job to Omega or somebody like that, like, why are you going to put stock into this guy? Or you, you could try to have Hangman win, but if Pac isn't going to do this job, he's not going to do the job. So what are you supposed to do? It puts them in an awkward position, no matter what. Um, if it's visa issues, Honestly, if it's visa, visa issues, just fucking say it's visa issues. Like, no one's going to... They're not going to fault you as much for that, I don't think. It's just, like, you should have had it worked out. You knew when this show was. You had plenty of time to get it handled. Sometimes shit happens with the government and trying to get the, these visas. Like, visas are a long... Um, what's a tedious process with you've got to make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. And if one is not, they will deny your visa. So if it's a visa issue, just be like, Hey, we couldn't get it worked out. We're sorry. We will try to do this again. If it's a creative issue, that's a whole different can of worms. Either way, I'm with you. I was looking forward to this match and it's not going to happen. I would imagine they have some sort of makeup like this was a match that was probably going to be 15 minutes at the very least and now you've got and they're pushing hangman like this whole full gear thing they he's a guy he's another guy he's at the upfronts he's one of the kind of the faces out there and you've got to do something with him now there's got to be a surprise up their sleeve don't know what it is if they have ambrose signed and this isn't confirmed or anything i mean here's your spot for him but We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, if it's a visa issue and then they put out this shitty creative differences storyline, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Because not only do you make yourselves look kind of petty that you couldn't come to an agreement with him, you you're, you make Pac look like an asshole. Okay? It's like he he's protective of himself right now because he's trying to pay Dragon Gate back because he feels indebted to that promotion. I can respect that. But the way the story's playing out right now, he comes across like a petty asshole. 
And I don't – if that's not the case, that's bullshit. That really yeah. is. If it's a visa issue and they're, they're fucking lying and shit, that's – that is bullshit. I will say that. I am not happy if that would be the case. Yeah, you're making like you're making Pac look bad if it truly is just a visa issue. And if you want to use this guy again, like he's probably not going to be happy that you're kind of throwing dirt on his name here and saying like, "Hey, what do you mean I'm refusing to do this job?" Like I and maybe he is, but again, if it's just a visa issue, that seems like an easier way to get out of this than kind of burying this guy for saying I'm not doing any jobs. Like it doesn't make your company look great if it's a visa issue, because as I said, you've had all this time to figure it out. But once again, visas can be a tricky thing. Like new Japan just went through this with, with flip Gordon. We see this visa stuff happen all the fucking WrestleMania weekend with the dragon gate guys. It happened. too. Yeah. It's, it's nothing new. And, And like, these companies know they do their due diligence. Sometimes shit just happens when it comes to the United States government. Our government sucks and they want to deny anybody right now. So if they're trying to deny this guy, like that's all you got to say, blame it on the government. Know what? Like wrestling fans really, we're going to hold it against this company. If you just say, Hey, the government, we, you know, they kind of screwed us over here. The wrestling fans are going to be like, fuck the government, not fuck AEW. Yeah, but seriously, if it's a visa issue and they put out that story, that is just some serious bullshit. So hopefully we get some clarification. But unfortunately, we are losing what potentially was a show-stealing match. And we will now move on. We have Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, the Battle of the Brothers. This was a feud that both of these guys wanted to do in WWE very badly. They got one match on like a fast lane pay-per-view, and it honestly wasn't very good. It wasn't booked well. It was rushed. And this is kind of their chance at redemption. They they want to prove that they can do this. And uh, what will be interesting is, you know, Dustin, honestly, for his age, still really good, still really in good shape. But a couple things to consider. He is 50. He's coming off a double knee surgery. And in all honesty, he's never had a lot of success outside of the gold dusting. So we'll see what happens. Cody How is very dare good. you? What? I can't even remember his fucking name in WCW where he came down from the zip line. And, seven. <laughs> seven. I knew it was something stupid. Yeah, where he was like that. the child molester that <laughs> yeah. floated to the ring. And, yeah. I watched that episode recently and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> That's some, again, for those complaining about today's TV, you didn't live through some of this shit. Yeah. But um it'll be interesting and then you know Cody is Cody's not bad by any means but Cody's very hit and miss with a lot of people cuz Cody loves to bring the circus to town and that's not everybody's cup of tea. So your thoughts. They got to keep this match short. Um I don't as you said Dustin is he's older, he's 50, he hasn't really worked a whole lot. I don't know what kind of and, you know, when he did work, he, it's not like he was working these long matches or anything. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, what kind of ring rust he might have. He might be in great shape, but once you actually get into the ring, it's kind of a, a different ball game. And Cody's in a similar boat, honestly. Like, he has not wrestled since uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and he's coming off the, the surgery. And, yeah, big match Cody is not too great. Um, he's 
he hasn't delivered a whole lot. He's great business mind, great character work, great kind of storyteller, but as far as match quality goes, not always there. And, and Dustin isn't like, yeah, Cody can have a great match with Omega or Kota Bushi or Kazuchika Okada, but fuck, anybody can have a great match with, with those guys. Like Dustin, 50-year-old Dustin Rhodes is going to be a little bit more difficult to, to get something out of. You keep it short, you kind of play on the 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 brotherly feud which they've already done a really good job of like Cody's Cody's promo was excellent um the the introduction of Dustin was excellent like they've done a really good job in these short little videos of, of building this match you don't need to go like super long with the whole talky bullshit in the middle of it. If Cody is like, Oh, I love you. And I'm killing the attitude era. And like, you made me do this. And Dustin is like, I gave you everything. And you know, you wasted it all. Or who the or think about that? Who the fuck knows what they're going to say? I don't need them like talking to each other and trying to tell a story through their words in the middle of the ring, because that just, it prolongs the match. And a lot of times it doesn't always add something to it. Like this was a complaint with the Gargano and Ciampa matches is just kind of cut that talking stuff out. Like you're already telling a great story just with your mannerisms and the action you're bringing. You don't need to talk to each other as well. And I feel like that's what we might get in this match. And I hope I'm wrong. I just wanted to be sure because I don't have any hopes if this thing goes like over really 13 minutes or so. Yeah, um, I think um, if I'm right, I think Cody wins here because I think they're going to try to build to Cody versus Jericho in like September at the Chicago show. Yeah, you can't you can't have Dustin win here. Like he's not around for the long haul. And if you want wins and losses to matter, which they say they do, having your young up and coming like face of the company lose to a 50 year old Dustin Rhodes doesn't bode well for this guy well the thing is is unfortunately i think they're gonna shit on no matter the result because if cody wins they're gonna do the oh look the executive vice president won and if dustin wins they're like look the wwe reject won and it's they're kind of screwed either way on it but yeah cody winning makes the most sense to me so we will move on co-main event or main event depending on who you ask Triple A World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Uh, the Lucha Brothers are obviously fucking awesome. The Young Bucks are awesome. And like Jeremy said, uh, one thing is like, like they haven't really worked a lot like Cody and stuff. But um, these are also guys that did need time off. Uh, especially like Matt with his back issues and stuff. So. Yeah, his back can finally heal. That thing's been bothering him for a year. Calendar and a year, man, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, so they got the time off the rest. And, you know, I think that this, again, this is a, on paper, if everything goes right, this is like the certified banger alert right here. I'm much less worried about these guys getting back into the ring after the time off than I am about someone like Cody because Cody's ring work, even when he was wrestling every week, was just – it was average for, for the most part. The Young Bucks are – they always – almost always. I mean I shouldn't say they have a 100% success rate, but they probably got a 95% success rate. They, they deliver. So – I'm not worried about them. The, the Lucha Brothers, they've been working. They're good. They're they are going to go out there and have 
you know, they're going to have a hell of a match. They had the match in uh, AAA, which the crowd apparently didn't get into for the a stretch there. But by the end of it, they, they were kind of into this crowd will not have any problem getting into this match. So I'm not worried about that at all. This, I can't imagine this being bad. And assuming Marty Skrull doesn't go over time, then... Uh, the Young Bucks will actually get a, a long, proper match that they didn't get at all in. Um, yeah, th- this match should rule. I I figure the Lucha Bros regain the titles just because they will be they're more likely to drop them in AAA than than the Young Bucks. Um, and, but I I guess the Lucha Bros are signed full time to AEW, but they do have a working agreement with AAA. Some of this stuff is just very weird with working agreements. You never know how some of that stuff is going to end up playing out. But I, I figured the Lucha Bros end up winning this match because the titles are on the line. Yeah, I think that's a very likely outcome, but I could also see the Bucks retaining. Um, anyway, definitely looking forward to this one. Um, and you brought up how the crowd will be into it. I think that that will probably be one of the saving graces for Cody and Dustin is the fact that they have a fan base that is going to want to support them. So, but like you said, still, I don't want to go in too long and I hope they don't monologue mid match and all that. I hope they just kind of stick to delivering a, a quality wrestling match and telling a good story and we'll see what happens. Our final match is a wrestle kingdom 12 rematch. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Um, these two, uh, they had an excellent match the first time they faced off. And again, we've, we talked about Chris Jericho and his ability to reinvent himself, not only from a character, but from his work style as well, because, you know, we've dogged on Triple H and like guys like him that as they get older, they don't know how to adapt and change their style. You're not, you know, Triple H in like 2000 was renowned as this great worker and he was, he had great matches like all the time. But it's 2019, he's had a couple torn quads, he almost ripped his own arm off. Yeah, he's, you know, you need to change and adapt to what your body can do. And Chris Jericho's done that. He doesn't, he's not a high flyer, he's more of a Bruiser Brady brawling style guy, which is fine because it works. And he's delivered good good brawl matches with a lot of different guys, Naito, Kenny Omega, Evil. And, uh, yeah, and he's heading for a big match with Okada as well. So this is the big rematch, and um, I think this is where Chris Jericho gets the win back, tying them up at 1-1 and setting us up for a third match down the line. They're clearly building something with him and Cody. So this is a weird thing with AEW with the whole wins and losses matter. Um, You would think on paper you don't want – Kenny Omega losing uh, right off the bat because he's going to be around. He's going to work a full-time schedule. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Chris Jericho. I mean, he already has a New Japan gig lined up. I don't know if he's going to be working like Fighter Fest or, or Fight for the Fallen or anything. I think Cody's match has already been announced for Fight for the Fallen. Like a bunch of matches have been announced for for both of those events. And, and Chris Jericho, I think Chris Jericho was listed as like a surprise appearance or like, I guess it's not a surprise if he's been advertised, but he's listed as like an appearance, but, but no matches. So he's not going to be working all of these shows. And if you say wins and losses matter omega losing feels a little bit weird but i guess it does give jericho like all right i'm one to know like i he can brag about that and everything 
we'll we'll see what happens with this whole wins and losses matter thing because you can lose and still look great and that's not an issue but if you lose too often and even if you're looking great and you say wins and losses matter then it becomes a a bigger issue I think Jericho does win here because they are setting up for the whole Cody thing. I think you can actually get more out of a Jericho win because if Omega is full-time, he can just kind of get some wins back and it won't be too much of an issue. Um, the match itself, I have higher expectations for this than I did the, the Wrestle Kingdom match because... I didn't think Jericho could keep up with Omega in the Wrestle Kingdom match. And Jericho, I think that was his first big, like, outside of WWE match. And he showed, like, hey, I can really adjust my style and change things up. And he, he really proved a lot in that match. And he proved a lot in this run with New Japan. So I, I have less doubts in Chris Jericho nowadays than, than I would have a year and a half ago. And Omega is Omega. Like, he, he's going to deliver. The crowd, you touched on earlier, they're going to love just about everything on this show, and it's going to enhance it that much more because if you have a hot crowd for everything, obviously, like, that's going to be... It's going to just make everything seem better, even if it's just fine like it's going to make it seem great if it's bad it's going to make it seem just fine so the crowd's going to love everything and that's probably much like all in it's going to enhance this show in a big way exactly so um it'll be interesting to see um what happens and hopefully um there aren't a lot of visa issues as are rumored there's been a again a lot of speculation on the dark twitter that there's going to be a lot more visa issues coming and hopefully that is not the case because that would just that would be really bad for the first show because you've already lost Pac and Adam Page, which was a highly anticipated match. And I mean, you know, if you lose some of the Japanese women, it might not be you know as heavily hyped as some of the other stuff. But you're losing a potential showcase match that was going to help build your division. And hopefully, nothing happens with like T Hawk, Linderman, or Sema. So you got to hope that everything works out there. And um, you know. Like you said, there might be possible surprises, but um, if they get a lot of issues, they may have to dig really deep for surprises to make up for potential pitfalls and problems. So it um the first show is going to be interesting on a lot of levels. It'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of it will deliver, but it'll be interesting to see if we get all the matches. It'll be interesting to see if there are you know the booking problems. Have they? Have they upped the production? Are they going to be able to make the time cues? Is everything going to work out? Who is going to buy the show? Is it going to be pirated a lot because of the $50 price tag? I mean, there's a lot to look at on this first pay-per-view. The, the surprises, what what are you expecting? they got to have something. Um, Cody has teased everything. Meltzer, I mean, Meltzer teased that there's going to be something on Wednesday that they're going to announce. I can't imagine they're going to announce something too, too huge on Wednesday, but it seems like they got something up their sleeve as a kind of a final push of, hey, buy this pay-per-view. And then we saw it all in, like Jericho was the big surprise, and that was a big deal when he showed up. What are you thinking as far as who shows up? I really don't have like a big guess. I mean... I suppose, you know, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose is probably the top of everybody's list. But uh, WWE's done a good job of freezing stuff out. You know, they're bringing Brock back. They're 
You know, they got Goldberg working the Saudi show. So, I mean, whether you think that they would be a good addition or not, they're big names that people would know. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know. That's why I'm, I'm really fascinated from the aspect of this being the first major show for them. I just, I don't know what to expect overall because there are potential problems coming. Like we said with the visa stuff, hopefully that is not a problem. But, you know, will the surprises be good? Will they be wasted surprises in the aspect that they should have advertised them if you're selling a $50 pay-per-view? And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very fascinated to see how it works out. But honestly, I, I don't have a good guess. I'm not going to lie. I think someone like a, a Ty Dillinger in the Battle Royal could happen. Um, I, I I think his 90-day no-compete ended up working out to where he can be on this show. I don't know that 100% for certain, but I believe that is the case. Um, so I, I think maybe I, I like that's not a big enough surprise to me on like a main show where you're like, Oh, Ty Dillinger showed up. But if you have that on the pre-show, it's like, Oh, okay. Like that's like a little teaser. Here's a former WWE guy that we really like. Um, and now he's here. Um, yeah, Moxley, Ambrose would be the big one. That That's such a weird one to me because I, I just feel like he's going to end up back in uh, WWE at some point because that's where his friends are. And if money isn't that meaningful to him, maybe he just kind of like he knows that if you if you're out of WWE for a little bit, they when they come calling they want you even more they'll utilize you a little bit better maybe i mean fucking it didn't do anything for mcintyre or lashley or some of these guys um but you know WWE might be changing now they just had brock win the money in the bank they're not changing anything aew could satisfy his creative uh juices which is what he's always talked about and so um that like that would be that that would suck for a uh, Darby Allen. He'd be screwed if uh, Moxley came back because Allen plays a similar kind of loose cannon kind of devil may care kind of kind of character there. I I think it's got to be something bigger than Ty Dillinger though. But I'm with you. I don't have a good read on what it's actually going to be. Um, you know, bring in Orange Cassidy. Fuck it. Let's have him wrestle Hangman Page. Be a great match. Yeah, I just I just don't I can't think of who is out there that would be a big enough surprise. It's like you know, it's obviously not gonna be like The Rock or John Cena. You know, I mean it's just I, I just can't think because like I said, you know, Brock is back, Goldberg is kinda back in the mix, and I mean, you know, Dean Ambrose is the dude out there. Just off TV, decent name and everything, and you know, a lot of buzz with that video and I mean that's the only thing I can really think of, but it'll again I'm I'm fascinated to see how the show goes, how it looks, how everything delivers, and if they end up with uh, more problems that are being speculated. Yeah, it's I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm legitimately excited for this show, and because it's something new, you know, it's it's their first show. It's gonna be hopefully different. The presentation will be key. All in. It was tough to judge all in because at the time we thought this was just kind of a one-off thing. It was really like a, a New Japan ROH kind of super show deal even before the Madison Square Garden whole uh, ordeal. So 
but as far as wins and losses go, you weren't like, oh, well, why did this person win this match? How come this didn't happen? Because none of it really mattered. It was just like, hey, here's a super show with matches that you're not going to see elsewhere. Have fun. Where this pay-per-view is these matches matter now. Like this is the the kickstart for the company. What we do actually matters. We have a show next month and the month after and the month after, and then we're on television. So what they do with this show actually has more of a purpose than just your one-off random super show. And the presentation will certainly be like an interesting thing. Like I don't think we're gonna see like Cody and the Bucks come out and then they introduce Road Warrior uh, Animal and he's shooting fire and t-shirts or whatever the fuck he was doing. Like that, that's not happening at this show. This is going to be presented as this is the start of a new promotion, not let's just have fun as wrestling fans for, you know, the biggest independent show of all time. Yeah, so definitely um, a lot to look forward to Saturday night. Uh, I will be doing live coverage for the show, do a full report, and Jeremy and I will, of course, be back, and we will run down the show uh, podcast next week, and uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you, everybody, for joining me. Remember, you can follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and the 411 site. Make sure to uh, subscribe and share us around. Leave a five-star review if you have the time. We would appreciate it. Have a good week, everybody, and happy wrestling.